0: Hello and welcome to another episode of At Any Rate. I'm your host, Sheikha Chaturvedi, and I head JP Morgan's global natural gas strategy. So, today we would like to discuss how price formation for 2024 is really in the hands of weather from here on out for both the European and US natural gas markets. I am joined by Otar Gebuwatsi, who not only works with me in the natural gas space, but also is part of our global energy strategy team here at JP Morgan. Otar, thank you for joining me. So to start off with, I wanna cover some of our expectations for the US natural gas market going forward. We have a forecast of $2.90 per MMBTU as the average price in 2024. This more bearish outlook for 2024 is driven by the notion that despite Hainesville production declines, and we have about one BCF a day of a decline that's embedded in our model between now and February 2024 for the play, a rebound in reactivity in the Haynesville in early 2024 and Permian production growth will allow overall production to remain slightly depressed for only a short period of time in 2024. So our pro- 2024 production is averaged to uh, expected to average 1.4 BCF a day higher than 2023. And when you marry this supply side outlook with our view that power generation switching demand would suffer as much as 1.5 BCF a day if gas prices rise and remain between three and 350 per MMBtu, um, it's resulted in our end October 2024 storage trajectory uh, pointing towards a 4.05 TCF. But there are some questions that linger surrounding these assumptions. On the production front, in 2024, we have assumed that many producers have been able to hedge at least 350 per MMBTU for Cal24 for much of this year and strong deployment of capex at the start of next year toward drilling activity, which is very typical behavior. This would likely lend to a rise in drilling and even completion activity in the Hainesville. We currently estimate that during 1Q24, as many as 25 rigs can be added back to the basin. And this is really where the uncertainty starts to creep in for the 2024 price. We've been told by those in the basin that this type of rig addition is too aggressive and could take longer. While some have even said that reaching 70 rigs next year would be a difficult feat. Therefore, we assume The biggest risk to our Haynesville production is that full recovery from declines could take as long as early 2025, particularly if producers are only able to deploy 60 rigs. This risk factor alone could suggest that our end October 2024 storage trajectory is overstated by as much as 100 BCF, placing it below 4 TCF. On the power generation side, we have to determine what is the price that will trigger a switchback from gas to coal. Weekly DOE price for Powder River basin coal implies a gas-to-coal switching price at $3.50 per MBTU. And it is our assumption that climbing above $3 in a sustained manner would introduce some loss of natural gas demand. However, if the price level is to lose demand is actually closer to $3.50 per MMBTU, then we may be understating our Summer 2024 natural gas power burn by as much as one and a half BCF a day. This risk factor alone could adjust our end October 2024 storage trajectory down toward 3.7 TCF. And this is a far more bullish outlook for 2024 price, as well as an extremely bullish setup for 2025 price. And even as we're grappling, With all of these risk factors from a structural nature for 2024, what is key is winter weather and the appearance of it or the lack thereof. We are in an El Nino regime with a warm start and cold finish that could manifest for this winter. And while El Nino has been strengthening at this time, long lead modeling is suggesting maybe a chance for some modest pullback in intensity in October. And the thinking and that is, you know, prevailing right now is that ultimately we will still avoid the super El Nino levels of 2015, 1997 and 1982. Despite avoiding that, we continue to watch another strong signal that could still deliver a super warm winter even without a super El Nino. The strong positive Indian Ocean Dipole is still tracking close to the super warm winters of 1997, 1998 and 2019 and 2020. So the only thing that we can say for certain for 2024 is that uncertainty abounds, and that leaves us in a very uncomfortable place for the forecasting perspective. Um, Turning to the European market, OTARP, we just published a note today on the European natural gas market, and before we get into the impacts of winter weather, I just want to address that we had a price forecast for 3Q23 that was to average 20 euros per megawatt hour predicated on storage congestion. But it looks like the quarter is about to average somewhere closer to the mid-30s in price, and storage in Northwest Europe has seemingly stopped growing. What has been driving the strength in price and also this sort of lack of
1: growth in storage? Hi, Shikam, Thank you for having me. Uh, So in Europe, we had series of supply disruptions or risks of supply disruptions this quarter. In the beginning of August, uh, we had workers' unions in Australia voting for strike actions. This was across three LNG facilities, one operated by Woodside and two operated by Chevron. Uh, We have estimated back then that if this risk materialized, the impact would have been about 4.5 BCM per month, uh, which is a sizable amount. Uh, these three plants in total account for about 10 percent of the world's lng supply even though australian lng doesn't usually arrive in europe market got concerned about increased competition for lng cargoes, and ttf prices was up about 23 percent in august um, month over month luckily this has been resolved now and we have not seen any actual loss in lng volumes from these facilities Um, then in september We had unusually prolonged maintenance of Norwegian facilities and this actually did impact the flows. So to give you some numbers, uh, last year through September, Norway exported about 86 BCM of pipe gas to the UK and continent. This year for the same period, this is about 9 BCM or 11 percent less, out of which about one third was missing only in month of September. So this has contributed to another 20 percent or so rally in TTF prices in September, and also contributed to the uh, lower growth levels in the storage facilities, as you mentioned. Uh, obviously such disruptions or risks of disruptions are uh, very idiosyncratic in nature and hard to model. So I would say that this was the major part that we missed in our price forecast uh, from back in July.
0: Great, and then just, you know, I just want to t- focus on one more thing on the supply side. Our oil team has done a great uh, job. Updating everyone about the Russian product export ban, and it has introduced, we some fears that Russia may weaponize or re weaponize natural gas flows to Europe as well. Can you tell us how much of an impact that would be? And if you think that this is likely?
1: Uh, So, following the war and sanctions, uh, we already saw loss of majority of Russian supply. The only remaining path for Russian gas to still enter Northwest European market is via Ukraine to Slovakia and then to Western European countries. These flows have been fairly stable at about 40 million cubic meters per day since June last year. Uh, And this is equivalent to about 10 percent of Northwest European demand. And of course, sudden cutoff of this. When we are just entering the heating season will impact the prices. We estimate it can push maybe up to about 80 euros per megawatt hour but probably not higher and not in a sustained way because at that price level you get substitution effect from uh, substituting gas with oil, not to mention coal to gas substitution opportunity at even lower prices. But all in all, we don't think this risk is material at the moment. Our oil team outlines that the oil product ban has very specific domestic reasons related to high fuel prices during the local harvest season. And our view is that it's coming back once the harvest is over. So it's not directly comparable to Russia's potential actions on the gas side. Additionally, the contract to ship this gas via Ukraine is already coming to an end in about one year. And based on what we've heard from Ukrainian side so far, it's unlikely to be renewed. So market has time to prepare for that. And after all, Russia had many opportunities to cut these flows, and we don't see reasons why it may decide to do so now specifically and lose the cash flows when the war is still ongoing with no end in sight, at least for now.
0: Great. And with our supply side risks covered, how do we see demand shaping up for the European market and what does that mean for our end March storage trajectory?
1: Uh, So on the demand side, since uh, late 2021, we have been witnessing weakening of European industrial gas demand. This started with price spikes that we saw even before the war towards the end of 2021. Then we had the war, sanctions and loss of Russian supply and more price volatility in 2022. So what we hear from companies and also what we find in the data is that part of the industrial demand is permanently lost. Some of it is shifting to other geographies such as the US. Uh, So we have further lowered our demand estimates by about 36 million cubic meters per day in September and October this year. And then it's all about the weather and the heating demand. Uh, so right now, we forecast end-of-winter storage level at about 52%, assuming normal weather. This is comparable to 54% that we had last winter, which was close to five-year high. But remember that last year was very mild. And this is all the storage sites in northwest Europe. Additionally, there is about 2.3 BCM of European gas stored in Ukrainian underground storages. And we estimate this can reach to about 3.3 BCM by end of October if the inflows continue at a stable pace that we have seen in the last couple of months. This is equivalent to extra 6-7% in European storage terms. So exit storage levels are, are looking healthy for now.
0: Great. Thank you, Otar. And then finally, um, as I've discussed about an El Nino regime that is currently plaguing the globe, it also tends to be a warmer start for Europe and a colder back half of winter. But because Europe is still seemingly in a precarious situation with storage, many of our clients are interested in a one standard deviation, colder impact to weather and what that could mean for the storage trajectory. Could you tell us about that?
1: Yes, so if history can be a good guide for weather forecasts, January and February are usually the months with the highest variation in the weather. One standard deviation, colder weather is equivalent to about two BCM extra gas demand per month. So cold January and February is about four BCM or eight percentage points of storage capacity. Overall, if the whole winter is the one standard deviation colder, we estimate impact to be about 16 percentage points of storage capacity. That quickly brings our 52% e- exit storage level forecast down to 36. And two standard deviation is just twice more impactful, leading to exit storage level of nearly 20% which is lowest which would be lowest since uh, 2018 uh, of course this is all maths and uh, estimates and it doesn't take into account behavioral changes such as households becoming more energy efficient or continent importing more lng than we have currently in our forecasts
0: oh well thank you so it sounds like there's a lot of risk around weather for the european market and i guess we'll just have to wait and see for over the next few weeks what weather forecasts start to suggest Thank you, Otar, for joining me today. And thank you all to listening to the Commodities Edition of J.P. Morgan's At Any Rate podcast. We look forward to continuing the conversation next week. This communication is provided for information purposes only. Please refer to J.P. Morgan Research Reports related to its content for more information, including important disclosures. 2023, J.P. Morgan Chase and Company All Rights Reserved. This episode was recorded on September 29, 2023.